The House Ethics Committee says disgraced Congressman Duncan Hunter used taxpayer money to fly his pet rabbit five times on United Airlines. Mitt Romney says that after Hunter resigns, he will help out and drive the rabbit home on the top of his car. (laughs) Donald Trump orders the Attorney General to fire the Inspector General and replace him with Inspector Gadget. (laughs) Trump further demands that his Senate trial feature puppets, loud buzzers, and Russian hookers, plus Duncan Hunter's rabbit. Well, those are the headlines. That's about where we are. Are any of them named Seamus? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Carl, the I rabbit Seamus. I have a hard time telling your setup from the punchline because reality is so crazy right I now. Know. Well, I, I know. This is about where we are. And, of course, Trump wants, from all reports, he wants a Senate show trial, a reality TV-type production of for course. the Senate trial after his impeachment. Let me tell everyone you're listening to The Wolf Pack. I'm Carl Wolfson along with Kim Upham, Dylan Hydes, and Paul Block. Patrick Zahn produces our show. You can find it at wolfpackpdx.com or on Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes. Welcome, Pack. If the show reality trial results in somebody saying you're fired and he has to leave, I'm good. <laughs> oh, maybe he can stumble into that. That would really be uh, a comeuppance. Well, uh, go ahead. I think Paul. a show trial would be great. The only problem I have is that Mitch McConnell is going to be responsible for every word that goes into it. So mm. the show trial is not going to be a... Fair show. Well, um, let, let's set this up before we even get to the Senate. The big news of today, and we're broadcasting on a Tuesday, December 10th, uh, two articles of impeachment, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, have been unveiled by Nancy Pelosi and the House. Have at it, group. I've heard a lot of hand-wringing today by Democrats that they should have gone wider, should have gone for obstruction of justice based on the Mueller report, should have gone emoluments clause. And I will – I'm going to defend Pelosi here. Um, I think that they went for the lowest hanging fruit here. Obstruction of Congress and abuse of power is the easiest things to prove. It's the easiest to under, for, the under, for the public to understand. Um, and it's – you have to ask yourself, if we went broader – what would we have gained, right? And a couple more months of hearings. Um, we're not going to win any more Republicans and Democrats for political reasons and policy reasons. We need to move on from this. So by the end of the, by the beginning of the year, we can focus on the presidential race and policy. I agree 100. percent I agree 101. percent Too many things to choose from. They could have gone with hush money, stealing from charity, emoluments, Mueller report, inciting violence, and uh, pardoning war criminals would be. uh, Mm -hmm. They'd find some way into that. But I think uh, it sounds like we're all in agreement on this because, you know, Jerry Nadler before uh, today, I think uh, a few days ago, he made this statement, and, and this is pretty clear: President Trump abused his power. betrayed our national security and corrupted our elections all for personal gain. The Constitution details only one remedy for this misconduct, impeachment. The safety and security of our nation, our democracy, and future generations hang in the balance if we do not address this misconduct. In America, no one is above the law, not even the president. You know, we talked about this months ago or maybe even six, seven weeks ago. Let's keep it narrow. Let's keep it understandable. We have enough evidence to impeach him and I think convict him. And this is something that the the, the country can understand. He shook down, tried to shake down Ukraine. It was extortion, bribery for personal gain, period. He may may still be shaking them down, right? Because the White House meeting still has not happened. Yes, that's right. And also, Adam Schiff, to your point, Dylan, made the, the point today that people say, why rush this? 
because he's probably still at it. Right. Yes. We've got an election coming up next year, and by all indications of his past behavior and what we know now, he's got Giuliani over there. He's right. inviting what, the interference. Better question is why drag it out? I mean, the, the evidence is overwhelming. This is a pretty clear issue. He's him and his chief of staff have both admitted to doing it. Um, so move on, get it done with. There's no reason to delay. I agree. It's fast and it's obvious and it's low hanging fruit and. And if he does not get impeached for these things that the evidence is public and obvious and, and uh, what, what's it in law? Res ipsa loquitur. It speaks for itself. Right. Uh, if he doesn't get it uh, removed from office for these two counts, which are obvious, adding another 27 counts ain't going to help. Mm -hmm. It's just going to drag it into January, February, March and screw up the, uh, uh, the, the candidates that are trying to get some traction for election. And in the Clinton impeachment, they had four articles of impeachment and two were voted down, one mm -hmm. of them by 285 votes out of 435. So I don't think they want to have things that go down in flames. Right. I heard today some reporting that indicated that Nancy Pelosi wanted these to be narrow mm -hmm. and only two of them. So she wanted as many votes out of the House as possible, right? Because – this gives so-called moderate Democrats some cover that they're right. not going off after him broadly. Right. And, you know, it is low-hanging fruit. I am under no illusions that any Republican is going to vote for impeachment. Any Republican senator will vote for uh, conviction. But as you say, this is the right thing to do. Yeah, she's uh, – Pelosi made it a point me. to say um, that this isn't about policy differences and that's very important because they're trying to muddy the waters and say, you don't like him. You don't like the fact that he was elected. You don't think you have anybody that can beat him in the election. And she really took on that reporter when she said. Didn't she ever. The Sinclair reporter that said, do you hate the president? And she said, this what is. What a dumb question. Completely. Yeah. And she right. said, come on, give me a break. This is. I'm, she I'm, I'm a Catholic. I pray for him. And she didn't say, come on, give me a break. She said, don't mess with me. That's right. right. Which is language. Everyone understands. Right. Now, we discussed... The, the, the Baltimore Italian in her came back. That's right. We discussed a little bit about the Senate trial. Um, the indication is that Trump wants this show trial. The other indication is, from reporting I've seen, is that um, Republicans in the Senate... Remember, it takes 51 to set the rules for the trial in the Senate. And people like John Thune don't want a show trial because they say it will detract from uh, – it will make it a circus. It will make them look bad in the Senate. I don't know that anything can come out of this trial in the Senate that will leave the Republicans looking good. I think no matter what happens, those those – Two articles of impeachment are obvious. We've all seen them. Right. So to say, well, what, what are they going to say? He didn't do that? Or are they <laughs> going to say, well, he did it, but who cares? Uh, nothing that, nothing's going to make them look good. They may have consistent, passionate support from their, their base, uh, from their base, but, you know. Cult 45. Cult 45. But, you know, as we said, I think last week or maybe the week before, we have, the months ahead and in the news cycle will be more revelations. Mm -hmm. So they may uh, – Republicans will probably vote to acquit him in the Senate. <clears throat> but I think those votes are going to look increasingly bad well, it, as more info it, comes it, out. It, it puts Democrats in a really <clears throat> interesting position, which is what happens if three months from now 
he's not impeached, but something comes up that's really serious. Do they go through this again? Because they have a constitutional duty to hold them to account. But when you know you have lapdogs in the Senate who refuse to abide by their constitutional duties to enforce the Constitution, do you go through with it or do you just say, eh, why bother? And what happens if he is not uh, convicted or whatever the word is by the convicted. Senate uh, and he wins the presidency? And the Democrats keep the House. Can they impeach him of again? Of course they can. Right? They can yeah. impeach him I mean, as they many voted times. Sixty times to repeal, <clears throat> repeal Obamacare. Let's, let's impeach him sixty times. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't I, mind seeing that <laughs> if that came to pass. I have an interesting thought. Tulsi Gabbard said the other day she's not going to participate in the December nineteenth debate. That's the next Democratic debate, even if she qualifies. I'm I'm wondering if the reason is. She's not going to vote for impeachment because the vote's going to take place in the full House before the 19th. I have a suspicion that Tulsi Gabbard is going to vote not to impeach Trump and she doesn't want to be seen with other Democrats. That's a suspicion. I don't know. She's got a tough primary fight right now. <clears throat> you bet. You know, she – I don't know. Is Hawaii have open or she's closed primary? She's not running. Oh, she's, she's not, not running. running? No, she's not running. I didn't she know that. She said she wasn't running. No, she, she, she would said, lose. Has she, no, said she would. She, has she said what she's going to do? No. She's going to Fox News. That's, That's what, what I think. Yeah. Okay. I think no, she's not running. Fox News. Okay. <clears throat> that, well, then, well, then never mind. Maybe you're right. And yeah. I remember about, probably about two months ago or so, uh, Maisie Hirono said, I'm not going to support her. Right. I knew she had lost a lot of key No, she's not running. She wouldn't win because of, you know, because of who she is. Mm-hmm. I think she's not going to vote for impeachment so she can go to Fox News. I think you may be right. But let's let's see what we're going to do tonight. Okay. First uh, today. question. Today or tonight, depending on when you're listening. Uh, the first question has to do with the new Inspector General report that came out. Uh, the <clears throat> Justice Department Inspector General, uh, Michael Horowitz, I think is his name, has released his report on the FBI's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. It refutes Republican talking points, including Trump's claim that the FBI spied on his campaign. Does this matter? Why does this matter? What do you guys think? Well, it's a. Uh, I feel like we could spend the entire show just on this. I mean, there's just so much here to talk about. Um, the main question that this inspector general was charged with answering was basically: Was there political bias um, targeted at Trump and his team before he ran for office? Um, you know, over the FISA warrants, that sort of thing. And what the report came out and said is that, no, there is there, – we looked through this. There, there literally is not one piece of testament, uh, testimonial or documentary evidence that there was any political bias or motivation against Trump and his team, period. Um, why this doesn't matter, though, is because before this report was issued, everyone was, was in one of two camps. You had the Trumpsters who will believe to their grave that there's a deep state conspiracy against <laughs> Trump. And there's literally nothing – there's no evidence that we could present them with that will dissuade them of this other than Trump coming forward and saying it doesn't – does not exist anymore. Um, and the other camp, there are people like us sitting around this table, which is to say, of course, there's no deep state conspiracy. This is lunacy. So when this report comes out, you have the Trumpsters who will dismiss it and you have the rest of us saying – Duh. Yeah, of course there is no conspiracy. So from that perspective, I don't think it makes it a lick of difference. But there's one thing that will make a difference, which is that um, they did find widespread wrongdoing with the application of the FISA warrants, which, again, if you're like us paying attention, your response is duh. So for the, Carter Page. For Carter Page. Right. Well, not just for Carter Page. But yeah, that was the only since one. Ni- well, OK. Well, since 1979, uh, 
there have been over 33,000 Pfizer warrants that have been applied for. Does anybody want to guess how many in 1979 what, one or two or three? to 2014? Yeah. Out of 33,000, 12. So basically right. out of every 3,000 Pfizer warrants that have been applied for, one is denied. And what's interesting about this, though, is that um, Christopher Ray at the FBI actually indicates that this is a major problem that he recognizes and wants to do something about. That's super encouraging. And then you have Trump. He doesn't care about the 33,000 people before him or the thousands after him. It's only about himself. And so when Nancy Pelosi likes to say, you know, with Trump, it's always a, it goes back to Russia. No, no, it always goes back to Trump. And this is another example of putting himself first over anybody else. Well, putting himself first and last over everybody. You know, um, again, right to the point, the, the Republican Party increasingly has adopted the full far right methodology now of dealing in conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Paranoia and conspiracy theories. Alex Jones is basically mainstream for Republicans right now. <laughs> As you said, Dylan, what this IG report did was say, look, there's no politically motivated basis for the FBI investigating the Trump campaign, period. Mm-hmm. And of course, their people will continue to say, in fact, of Lou Dobbs was on last night saying it's a whole, see how the deep state acts. Even Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, remember the the, the former FBI uh, attorney and, and counterintelligence, counterintelligence officers, they did the comments and the emails, but the IG found that this didn't in any way mm-hmm. influence the course of the investigation at all. There were and, no and FBI spies planted in Trump Tower. The FBI didn't recruit members of the Trump campaign as informants. There was no political conspiracy to undermine Trump's 2016 campaign. And it's that's, good to have the facts on our side. Right. But what, who we don't have on our side is the Attorney General yeah, of the United right. States. Yeah, I wish the facts mattered more than they did. But that's an, that's an important point. So that how many times has Trump and his team said that he was wiretapped? Right. Well, now we know he was never wiretapped and that the FBI did everything proper in opening up this investigation. In fact, I would say they'd be derelict in their duty if they hadn't opened up an investigation into this. Yeah, the problem is that uh, A.G. Barr initially appointed a, a former um, U.S. attorney from Connecticut named John Durham to do a parallel right. investigation. And he's made a highly unusual comment on this report being released. He said that um, he has information that has Durham. never – yeah, Durham right. is saying that he has information that hasn't uh, come to light from domestic and international sources, and that's but, very unusual. And by the way, I saw the MSM, MSNBC interview with AG, Attorney General Barr today, and he was asked about that. Um, and, and he said, well, we had to rebut this report. No, you didn't have to rebut this mm-hmm. report. You're trying to do PR. He is. Just like after the Mueller report came out, your summary of it was – all clear right. when that wasn't true. Nothing to see He here. is a political hack for the president of the United States instead of the attorney general. And a PR flack. That's and, his whole the, job. The way you know this is that when John Durham came out, I mean, for, first of all, Kim, you're absolutely right. It's so unusual for a federal prosecutor to come out in the middle of an investigation and to announce partially what he's investigating. But again, there are no specifics. It was just broad strokes here that the – there was simply, as they say in the industry, there was no operational purpose to what he did. There was nothing that he did by coming out and releasing a statement saying that he disagreed with the IG's report. That did nothing to advance his own investigation or, or, the, or the cause of what he's charged to do as a federal prosecutor. And so then you're left with asking yourself, well, then why did he make the statement? 
and you're left with one really obvious answer, which is Trump that wanted he is the one who is acting with political motivation. Right. So in, in their in their pseudo efforts to find people who are in the government acting with political malice, it is themselves they are revealing to doing the same thing, that the exact thing that they're claiming to investigate others for doing. It was Mueller Report 2.0. It was Barr coming out the day before the report was released saying that it's a sham, mm-hmm. uh, that 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 it's phony. Uh, and, uh, in, in saying that, by the way, he's slamming, uh, Michael Horowitz, who's been a very honest broker for years through many administrations, uh, and he's slamming Christopher Ray. Well, did Horowitz, who put Horowitz there? Do you know what president? Did I don't tr- know. Did Trump put him there? Well, well I think Trump, Trump had to approve look, him being there. Look, Christopher Ray was appointed by Trump. He's the current FBI right. director, and he said he accepts the findings of the IG report. Mm-hmm. Trump fired off a nasty tweet against say, I wonder if he could be attorney general under me. And Barr today said he has no problem with Christopher Ray. So Barr's trying to play both. He's saying, okay, we can keep our FBI director. But at the same time, he's saying, well, this report isn't complete. I don't accept it. So he can uh, – he can curry favor with Trump. I like what James Baker said, and it's not the James Baker of the George H.W. Bush years. This is a former FBI general counsel. He was the head lawyer there when this investigation started. He said Trump should apologize to him personally and the rest of the FBI for propagating these conspiracy theories. And how about Comey? Yeah. yeah Comey right. said the same thing. Apologize. I think it would be great if um, all of these career officials – and other Democrats would continue to tell Trump, you need to apologize. You need to apologize. He won't do it, of course. But again, this is an, this is another report. And that's the job of the inspector general to be a nonpartisan assessor of the facts. It's another report which supports us, not this pathological liar, Trump. They had one million documents that they reviewed and. 170 witnesses. So this was a very thorough examination. And I did hear today that Horowitz said he would also be taking up the FISA issue and looking at that. So there will be, I mean, there's going to be something follow-up. positive could come They're out of They're going to try to fix the things that are wrong where the employees did not follow the proper procedures. I saw Carter Page on TV telling us today that he's hired a bunch of lawyers and he's going to sue over the uh, FISA mistakes. Mm-hmm. Or whether they were mistakes or, or intentional, I don't know. Again, for two years now, we've heard talking points, just to sum this up, unless anyone else wants to jump in. For two years, we've heard Trump's talking points and Republican talking points that this was a political fix to undermine Donald Trump's campaign. That is absolutely untrue, as we all knew it was. Now it's in writing and for the American people to see. But Trump is still going to use the same talking points. Of course. But of when course. do we find out about the 400-pound person on the bed? That <laughs> I mean, come on. Nobody is following that thread. It's just hanging out there. I'm sure it's happening I, next. I need to circle back and Maybe find out Maybe that's who more. Giuliani's looking for in Ukraine, a 400-pound Ukrainian. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, he's, in he's, his mother's basement on his bed. That's right. He's checking on, out all the, the collapsed beds in Kiev <laughs> that he can to find this guy who is really the one, right? And by the way, last thing, I watched, as I said, the interview on Emmett. Pete Williams interviewed uh, Attorney General too. It was Barr, a good interview. And he asked him again about the Ukrainian server, Hillary's server in Ukraine. Barr punted on it. He, he said, well, I don't know, and all this stuff. Again, talking points, Russian talking points. The biggest Russian propagandists are the Trump administration and Republicans. 
Pete Williams was, I first learned of Pete Williams under Ronald Reagan. He's he been was, around a long time. He's an excellent reporter. Yeah, but when, when, when I first discovered him, he was working for Ronald Reagan. And from that point on, I thought of him as a Reagan Republican. No. Uh, well, no, you're right. And I've learned over the past few years that the guy is a good legal reporter. He's a Pentagon reporter and a good legal reporter as well, and one of the best in the business, and openly gay, by the way. I okay. did not know that. Yeah, well, I didn't know he worked for Reagan, so we've exchanged uh, interesting openly tidbits. Openly gay. Here. I had no idea. Something you didn't know right here between the four of us. <laughs> Do you suppose he has a relationship with Lindsey Graham? No. Okay. Oh, geez. I don't... <laughs> you know, that is so distasteful. Let's all just take a minute and uh, all of you out there listening to us, get that thought out of your mind. Lindsey Graham in a relationship relationship with anybody okay i agree question two question two question two is about uncle joe joe biden joe biden made headlines in iowa by responding to a question about ukraine with you're well you're a, a damn liar man does this response serve him well or does biden need a better explanation for why hunter worked for burisma or are both of those uh, uh, aspects part of what Biden needs? I'll start. I think that Biden needs to come up with an explanation that makes sense and gives his supporters some cover because uh, he really hasn't. I mean, it's, there's basically some element of nepotism going on here and he needs to own up to that. Uh, let me just say that uh, when he says, I don't discuss Hunter Biden's business, that may be true. It may be true that like when a candidate puts his assets in his or her assets into a blind trust, that there, there is a wall there. Uh, I agree with you, Kim. I think he needs a better explanation for it. I actually, uh, you know, I, I kind of partly liked his fire in this instant, but I partly didn't like it because when you yell – or raise your voice to a member of your audience, even though it may be a, a Fox-informed stooge, it may not look too good. However, just for wider context, the new, context, the new Monmouth University poll just came out, national, Biden's at 26 percent, Bernie Sanders at 21 percent, Elizabeth Warren at 18, she's falling, uh, Mayor Pete at 8 percent, and Bloomberg's got 5 percent. So he still leads – the national polls. With a caveat that it's a year out and national polls tend to be fairly Oh, well, Of course. Right? There's every caveat on yeah. every poll here. Um, no question. But well, he's he's still up there when, when you poll people. And maybe a lot of that is due to African-American support or establishment support or people believing he's the one to defeat Trump. But I do believe that Joe Biden needs a much better response to this. And I don't think it served him to lose his cool. Go ahead. I don't think he lost his cool. I think he did it on purpose, and I think it served him well. I think Joe was starting to look like the guy that you can shit on. I think he was the guy that he was starting to look like the guy. So Trump's who, the guy you can piss on, and Joe's the guy you can shit on. Yeah. Okay, got it. Okay. Now we're looking for the poop okay. tape. And Lindsey Graham is an insult. Is right. a, is uh, no, a, okay. He, <laughs> he enjoys but, both. But Joe was the guy who was, was, was modest in stealing extra time like everybody else. When they told him to stop talking, he stopped. He was very obedient. Uh, he was attacked for his his background, and he stood there and took it. And I think that he had to do this. The guy, the guy looked at him and lied and said things that were not 
evidently true in any be, way. I would be fine if he says, you're a liar, man, and here's why, and came up with a cogent response. So I would feel a lot better about that. Yeah, okay, he, that's the second part. He should... Uh, he should have have an explanation about how the relationship was with his son and Barisma and him. But that I, in my opinion, uh, he had to show that he can fight. He had to show that he can smack, and he had to show this because he's going to have to do it with Trump around. All right, I have a little different perspective on this. Um, remember, nineteen eighty eight, when Michael Dukakis was asked during a debate how if he would support the death penalty for somebody who raped and murdered his wife, Kitty, his question. wife Kitty. And he gave what is now a famously horrible answer, which is, well, I don't believe the best deterrence is the death penalty. And if you look back at my state, and it's like, it was just the lack of humanity and connection to the audience was became became infamous for, I think, all the right reasons. We should remember that horrible moment. And so I'm at a point now when I hear Democrats, especially older Democrats, ask questions. I just assume they're going to wimp out, not connect. So Biden didn't give the worst answer, right? He had, he had some fire in him. I like the fire. That's what I like. But that's where the the compliments end. So he gave this probably the second worst answer. He came across. I mean, we want our candidates to be smart. That was not a smart answer. We want them to be prepared. That was not a prepared answer. We want them to be in control. That wasn't a controlled answer. It was almost incoherent. Challenging the guy to push ups. Why? Telling him that he couldn't vote for him because he was too old. Most of your voters are old. Nothing made sense. I mean, it was a. Um, I was talking to my, my brother about this, and uh, I said, well, at least he showed some fire. And he's like, yeah, I've, I've seen old men yell at a spoon before. That doesn't, doesn't, I'm not encouraged by their, uh, by their intelligence and thought and, and ability to be president because they can get angry. Everybody can get angry. Um, so and he knows what his weaknesses are. He should be addressing them. And that answer showed that he's not. I mean, to not have an answer ready to go on your son, Hunter, knowing that that's going to be the first question out of the gate for most reporters shows a stunning lack of preparation either by him or his staff. Or well, you know, what, a, what would be an adequate answer? He already well, said know, he got the job on his own. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, but I think there's a way to yeah. – uh, there's a way to – there used to be a, a – um, a saying in public relations is letting the other person have your way. I think through humor or deftness, there was a way to put that guy down that he didn't use there. I'm, I'm kind of in between on this because I kind of like the fire, but I agree with Dylan that it wasn't really handled very well. He showed no emotion. Right. He reinforced the idea that he was just this uh, like civil servant who Egg, had – Egghead. Right. Who, who had no – and, and and to mention eight, eight years before that, Paul, here's where anger worked was when Ronald Reagan was running in the primaries in the New Hampshire primary when they had that debate and they tried to cut off the mic. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm paying for this mic. That, that this, was effective anger. That was effective anger. Right. And he had planned it. He knew what he was going to say. But he was f- this fake, this faux outrage. You know, Bonzo should have been sitting next to him for all the acting <laughs> he did. But, um, you know, there are places where anger works, where deafness works. And if I were Joe Biden's staff or chief of staff or campaign manager, you have to be prepared for that question. Right. I, I mean, just just in the 30 seconds, Paul, since, well, you, question, so hold on, Paul, since you asked me 30 seconds ago how I'd answer that question, I'm not an elite presidential campaign advisor. I'm not on a team of 10 people. I, I, don't, I don't have six months to think about this. But just sitting here, I, I think if I was Joe Biden, what I'd say is, look, I get it. I get how this looks. This is terrible. This happens way too much. It's happened to my family. It happens to others. If I become president, I will sign any legislation. That He's comes already said me. that, actually. And okay. he should have said it well, then. Right. then. Then have your elevator right. speech ready to go. Right. I mean, He's already said that if he's elected president, 
no member of his family will serve in any capacity. Right. And he's already said that. He should have said it I then. Mean, at the very and least, you know, acknowledge, acknowledge that it looks bad. Everybody can agree that it looks bad. And Trump's but kids this, are doing it right now. Right. But this man made an accusation. He said that he got the kid the job and so that the kid could sell access to the president. That's what the guy in the audience said. And I don't. I, I didn't. Even, you know, I didn't hear Biden even deny that. You know what I would say? He said you're Just a damn liar. That's the, a denial. Off the top of my head, I would have said, "Hey, um, that's a lie. You're about thirteen thousand nine hundred ninety nine behind the president." You know, that <laughs> right. would have been a fun answer, yeah. which would have yeah, gotten him a lot of. Also, you know, Giuliani's the one trading access to the president. That's right. happening currently. So I think. Bring that on. You know, from what I've seen, his people are doubling down on this saying, yeah, Joe was right to have fire. But I'll bet you behind the scenes that anger doesn't work mm-hmm. well with voters. It just doesn't. Right. There's well, a place for anger that works and a place where you're – even though this guy was probably a scumbag from all indications, he got his information from Fox News. But there's a way to handle mm-hmm. it, as I say more deftly. In each of the polls that I have seen, whether they're good or bad or, or valid or not, since he made that statement, he's upticked a little bit in every poll. Well, it may not be from that. It Who may knows? not. It may be that Elizabeth Warren is is waning in the polls. We don't it we don't be. know anything yet. Um, there are some broad. You know. Uh, uh, by the way, we're not going to discuss it tonight. But I uh, we. I mentioned we might might have discussed it last week when Kamala Harris dropped out. We didn't have time. We don't not going to have time tonight. But let's sit down maybe next week or the week after and talk about why people like Kamala Harris, Julian Castro, Beto O'Rourke couldn't make it in this field. They just couldn't break through. I have my own thoughts about why because Democrats seem to be looking for somebody new, someone refreshing. Um, you know, we talked about that. White Knight. Yeah. But none of those candidates broke through. It's interesting that Bloomberg's up to 5% um, in this Monmouth poll, which shows maybe Spending his commercials are, yeah. are getting something. I think his know. commercials were good. Yeah. I think his commercials said what, what they were supposed to say, and, it, and it's going to get him 5% of the people and wanting I, to vote for him. I still have not seen one. Oh, really? <laughs> that, that, is, that is true. I still have not seen anyway, one. Anyway, you know, I just think that, that, uh, that, uh, uh, People are not necessarily looking for something new and different. I think that people are looking for anything that they think can beat Trump. Yes. They're looking for a guarantee. Yeah, the closest um, they can get to a guarantee. You know, I'm kind of, again, I'm kind of split on this. I agree with you, Paul, that I, it's good to see fire in the belly. I would have liked to see a little bit different comportment Me out too. of him. I did break it into two, right. two parts. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I like the fire in the belly. No, I didn't like the fact that he didn't have a good answer for that. Right. And he should. And, 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 uh, and a, I've seen a comedy him, I, answer right. would be great. Right. Um, before we get into our uh, third question, I'll remind you, you're listening to The Wolf Pack. Uh, Kim always reminds me to remind you uh, to rate us if you like this um, podcast. Uh, we're available on iTunes, on Google Play, and on Spotify, uh, wolfpackpdx.com. We come to you from the Lane and Steel Door Art Galleries, 24th and Raleigh in beautiful northwest Portland. Uh, if you're looking for a wonderful Christmas gift, there's a wonderful book that you can order. And if I can't push my own book on this podcast, where can I do it, ladies and gentlemen? It's called Slide with an exclamation point. Carl Wolfson, any bookstore can order it. Go to Amazon. It's got a good price on Amazon right now. The only reason I tolerate Amazon is because my book is on there. 
there, and Trump hates Jeff Bezos. So <laughs> go to Amazon, order Slide. If It's a wonderful childhood memoir. You don't have to be a baseball fan to love it, but it's a lot of laughs. Paul? And a lot I've, of I've, laughs. I've, I've read it. It's a, it's a great book. Extraordinarily well-written and, 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 and funny. humorously uh, descriptive of the human condition. And I pledge to you that every check that I get quarterly from my publisher in Washington, D.C., that money will be turned over to democratic causes, democratic candidates, and to continue to speak out against the cancer of Trumpism. I pledge to you. Moving right along. Let's talk Korea. Korea, not career. That sounded like a disease. I got Korea. (laughs) Kim Jong-un. This is the bad Kim. We have the good Kim. <laughs> then we have the good one. Now says North Korea will never give up nuclear weapons, despite the deal he signed with Trump at the Singapore summit. North Korean slate state media also called Trump an, quote, an erratic old man. I got to agree with them on that. Has Trump's approach toward North Korea failed? And does Trump have any foreign policy successes to take into next year's campaign? Does he have one foreign policy success? Look, this whole North Korea thing has been a complete disaster. There was no specificity. He did not follow any of the protocols that the State Department uses. Usually in these negotiations, you have teams of people going and meeting, and they work through rounds and rounds and rounds. And then by the time the two leaders get together, they've got everything ironed out except for a few little details. And then they have a press conference and announce it. But he had nothing specific. There was no intention ever by North Korea to denuclearize. He got played. The only thing he got out of it was love letters and that's not enough that's what i wrote he got played by kim i I found it interesting that john bolton today uh took a shot at trump uh, because for the second straight year the trump administration is blocking a u.n security council meeting to discuss north korea's human rights violations there is a price to pay for him coddling trump coddling dictators all Mm -hmm. over the world Uh, america now stands for Allow giving license to dictators uh, to humiliate their people, to deny basic human rights to their people. And yes, Kim, what have we gotten in return? Nothing. He got played. They're continuing with their nuclear program. Uh, Kim Jong-un has gotten everything. There's a wedge driven now between us and our longtime ally, South Korea. China has filled the void with South Korea and North Korea. This and the is, Far East in general. That's right. And Kim has been elevated. Right. He wouldn't even let people be in the room to record what they were agreeing right. to, right? So there's – when I say no specificity, I mean nobody knows. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, this – he's allowed Kim to get away with everything. Repression of his people, continuing the nuclear program, continued propaganda on the world stage. And we're worse off with our ally South Korea. Can you find anything good, Dylan, in this policy? No, and this is a, this is a theme that I keep hitting on the show. I, I hope that whoever our nominee is hits this hard, which is that – Hey, dealmaker, where are the deals? Right. right. You've broken TPP, the Iran deal, the Paris Climate Accords, all broken. None of them have been replaced with anything. Remember, we were promised better, greater, bigger plans that did more and did you know faster and cheaper. And nothing has happened. When that's not just domestic, but internationally, it's even more stark. We did get a replacement today, and that's uh, USMCA. That's a replacement for NAFTA. Well, there's and been it's an, hardly anything changed mm-hmm. from NAFTA. I agree. It's the slightest change. I agree. We there's did, an announcement it, of a deal, but we haven't seen the specifics. That's right. Well, the, the three different countries now have to vote on it or do whatever they do to to, to approve it. I will uh, predict to you is, this deal will will be worse off 
<laughs> under this. I predict we'll be worse off under this deal two or three years from now than we were under NAFTA. There is very little change except that Trump's going to claim that what Obama negotiated was horrible. What he did was and glorious. I, 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 Carl, I think you're exactly right. Because I, th- I mean, I, I'm guessing the dynamic in these negotiation rooms are, you know, Mexico and Canada are saying to their own people, look, this guy just needs a deal. This is an opportunity for us. We're going to take a little more, get a little better deal. And as long as he can sign something, we're going to get what we want. Well, I mean, so that's that we see that over and over again when you're dealing with Trump internationally is that he he gives exactly what they want without getting anything in return because all he cares about are the optics. But he will claim victory and he will get some yes. credit for it and on I, the campaign I'm not, trail. I'm not denying what anybody says, except as I've read it and I haven't read the whole deal, uh, the numbers are better than they were under NAFTA. Uh, there's a, a, a greater percentage of American product has to go into uh, the building of cars. And everyone who works in Mexico by, I think, the year 2023 has to be up to $16 an hour. And they're, they've built in some environmental uh, safeguards. Yeah. Now, I'm not, getting, I'm not giving Trump any credit for this, by the way. <laughs> this, this could all have been what Nancy Pelosi hammered into him uh, in return for her agreement to, to make the deal. Uh, uh, which which we should also. I don't think the changes, from what I know, are substantial enough to create that much of a difference. And sure, they're environmental, but like on every trade deal, they'll cheat on that. It won't make a lick of difference. Uh, you're right. I'm not arguing with you. You're right. But the deal, as is on paper, mm-hmm. is improvement over what NAFTA was on paper. The head of the AFL CIO came out and said that. Said that. Um, since you the question included. Does he have any foreign policy success to take into next year's election? Not that it would matter with Colt 45 because, you know, they think his existence uh, is a proof of enough of a miracle. But I just made a quick list. He's let Putin have northern Syria. He lets Putin have whatever he wants. Crimea. Uh, right. Eastern he's withheld military aid to Ukraine to keep the Russians at bay. He lets Putin continue to destabilize Western democracies and NATO. He's abandoned our longtime allies, the Kurds, to be slaughtered by Turkey. Uh, you mentioned, Dylan, the Iran deal, the Paris Climate Accords. And not only has he not replaced them with anything better or as good, he's told the world that our word means nothing. Mm-hmm. In the Middle East, there's no Israeli-Palestinian peace plan that we were promised that Jared Kushner was going to get us. Despite saber-rattling, there is no check on Iran's influence. In fact, I'd argue easily that Iran's influence in the area is greater now that Trump has taken office. I would agree. He, he has abetted an endless war in Yemen, which is now a major humanitarian crisis. He gives the Saudis anything they want. Mm-hmm. He's positioning our troops into that corrupt regime in the Middle East that murders journalists. And but let me say as a sidebar, this Pensacola Naval Air Station shooting – a Saudi national killed people there. I went back and looked. Uh, remember the Fort Hood massacre some years ago mm-hmm. when an uh, Arab American killed people at Fort Hood? Guess what Sean Hannity, guess what Louis Gohmert said? Who was responsible? It was Barack Obama because of his political correctness. I don't see Sean Hannity and I don't see Louis Gohmert and Republicans out here blaming Donald Trump 
for this Saudi national and what he did on his murderous rampage in Florida. Trump has also pardoned U.S. war criminals. He's gutted the State Department. He disdains advice from career diplomats and, and military officials. As you know, he loves to act on the spur of the moment. He relishes undermining anything that Barack Obama did. He, it's basically a foreign policy based on his own sick pathology. There are no comprehensive strategies or long-term guiding principles. And here's the bottom line. And you all alluded to it already. The world's dictators play him like a fiddle and our allies are laughing at him as a joke. It's uh, I heard somebody on TV today say that you know some foreign policy experts are worrying that there may not be a coherent Trump doctrine. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> let me break it to you, pal. There is no coherent. I mean, the best way to describe his his relationships with other leaders, it's all transactional. There's no clear plan. There's no clear vision. It's always, what can I get from you in this moment in time? Which is usually nothing, but that's what he's thinking about. And so what's happening is that, and I, I know that you all know this, is that the leaders of the world are look, looking at the United States as we are an unpredictable unstable, unreliable partner. And so we're not going to not work with anybody. We'll just work with somebody different now. And so we are sliding off of the world stage. The damage and, is happening and in China real time. China and Russia are coming in to fill, fill the, the gaps where yeah, we were. Absolutely. And, and the, the, the Trumpsters are just so ignorant to this stuff, so blind to it. But it, And the problem is these, these are problems that are not going to manifest in the next three or six months. But Five years from now, right. from, we're I mean, if there's a, the price if, if, if there is a, 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 a nuclear bomb goes off in an American city, or we have American troops slaughtered uh, somewhere, then that gets their attention. Mm -hmm. But this is damage in real time, and I would say it's similar to to our withdrawal from a commitment to a renewable energy future because. Those markets for renewables, we're letting other countries rush into those markets as well. As well, the the damage is being done daily by this president. We're all going to and the deficit going up to you just add tariffs. all of these tariffs, everything. Those and markets. We are, are going to pay a horrible price for this. But as you say, it's hard to t say that, oh, in 10 years from now or right. in five years from now, because his people don't think that way. And he is not doing the, what he's doing for us. He's doing what he's doing for himself and his children. That's he, what he's being impeached for. He, he wants a better deal in Russia so he can make a Moscow right. Trump Tower. He doesn't give a damn about what's going on in America. <coughs> I also want to just say, give me a second, Dylan. That if we look uh, aside from what may or may not happen with uh, uh, U USMCA, he has not one single concrete deliverable from anybody in the world that wasn't there before he took over. Right. Um, two quick things. Um, what, one thing that really worries me is that we talked about this a little bit. This, this is basically a pixie stick economy that Trump has found every short-term way to gin up the economy. Right, of course. And what I'm worried about is that we do win the White House in <clears throat> 11 months from now. And then all this stuff, all the hauling out of America, the hauling out of the State Department, the um, all the agencies – the shit starts hitting the fan. Pro problems start coming up and we start seeing the effects of this and all these problems get hung around the neck of a President Biden or a President yeah, Sanders or Warren. It, you, it, we still have to win, right? And I understand that. But say he gets reelected, talk about shit hitting the fan. I mean, second terms are usually bad for every president. 
he is digging – if he wins, he's digging himself a deeper and de- deeper hole as the president and he's digging it for the country. Yeah, he's not digging it for himself. He's digging it for all of us. And I it, think when he finds that 400-pound person, 400 person on the bed, he's going to make them <laughs> secretary of state. That's my opinion. There you go. Did you guys see Trump this week was speaking to a Jewish audience uh, about <clears throat> peace between Palestine and Israel? And he said – told them not to worry because if Jared Kushner can't do it, nobody can do it. Did you guys see this? <laughs> I did not. It's unbelievable. Not. Well, Jared Kushner. What does he produce? Yeah, what does he produce so far? Uh, he got a, a security clearance. <laughs> the man can wear a shirt. He's I I find him attractive, Jared Kushner. Oh, I hate to admit this it. Is, this is not your confessional booth, Carl. Look, I, I don't find him attractive. I find well, I think you're he straight. Looks, he looks like a little drip. If I yeah. was gay, he would be the, th- yeah. the, the well, thirty thousandth no, no. person. All gay reasonable. people don't have a type, just like all straight. You He's know, they're probably straight women He's who like the four hundred pound man on the bed. Have you ever watched him walk, man? He walks <laughs> like a drip. Okay, uh, we have difference of Let's opinion on. on our sexual attraction to Jared Kushner. Let's move on. <laughs> I happen to like thin guys. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the man can wear a shirt. What can I say? Um, yeah, but it, but it droops over his shoulders because okay, he's got no I'm re- shoulders. I'm ready to move on. <laughs> I'm ready, I'm to, ready to move on to people in other going. Look, they stopped the dick jokes, and now we get this. We get this. Look, I I am not attracted to anyone in the Trump administration except Jared Kushner. So wow, true confession. There you go. Uh, Gary doesn't listen to the podcast. Uh, I'm trying to so think of anybody in the Trump administration I'm attracted to, and I can. All right, uh, do Maybe we a little Sean Hannity? Let's yeah. let's, let's do a little uh, something you might not know, shall we, Kim? Yeah. So I figured we'll probably cover <clears throat> Christmas at some point in time. So I brought a Hanukkah, something you might not know. Oh, nice. So as we probably most people know, Hanukkah is eight days and eight nights, and the menorah has. Eight candles for those eight days, plus a helper candle in the middle. So the question is, how many candles do you need for eight nights? Any guesses? Oh, I, I used to know. I think it's 48. It's close. 44. All right. Gee, how many candles would Jared Kushner light? <laughs> I'd like to put one candle in the right place. 44? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Because you got to start over every night. Have first right. night, one candle. Right. Second night, two new candles. Right. Yeah. You've got to have a whole Absolutely. box. Well, let's go around the world. Well, no. Uh, yeah, let's go to India. Let's go to India. Do you know that the western state of Gujarat in India? Gujarat. Gujarat, is that it? Yeah. Uh, it, it makes, I'm it, impressed, Kim. If you slaughter a cow, you go to jail for life in that state of Gujarat. And those found guilty of transporting beef go to jail for 10 years. And the penalty for either transporting or killing, in addition to jail, is 100,000 rupees, which I don't know, what's that, $6? So it's pretty good to be a cow in India. <laughs> However, bet. when I was there, I saw places where they had dumping garbage and all the pigs and all the cows from that town would end up there eating the garbage. And a lot of them died of uh, plastic Ooh. bags. When were you in India, Kim? Uh, 2000, right? Oh, yeah, yes. where'd you go? Gujarat. I had friends who lived in Chennai, and I mm-hmm. visited Delhi, went to the Golden Triangle. It's a beautiful yeah. country. Yeah, nice. I'd love to go back. It's I'm impressed. I have not been to India. 
And I do eat cows. The great thing about being there was that Bill Clinton had just visited a couple years before yeah. that. And everywhere you would go, people would say, oh, Bill Clinton ate here. Bill Clinton slept here. I yeah. mean, he would have had to spend about 400 months <laughs> yeah, that's in, funny. in India to eat and sleep in all these places. When we were in Reykjavik um, several years ago, there's a place uh, to get ice cream cones uh, and Clinton had enjoyed it. So oh, every, the hot dog stand too. Oh, it's a hot dog stand. Yeah, they I'm have sorry. This picture up. It, it is the hot dog stand. <laughs> Excuse me. I was, sorry, I, was, close. I, was, I was going to read a long passage, but I decided against it. Uh, but uh, I, th- I found it. Uh, uh, I can't believe I got ice cream com- confused with a hot dog. <laughs> That's uh, not like me. I, I found it interesting that Donald Trump uh, is now blaming his orangeness on LED lights. And we have to go back, he says, to normal incandescent lights. Otherwise, we all look orange. You know what we forgot to talk about is the toilet. That was flushing. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to read that. That was part of that. He claims that Americans flush toilets 14 and 15 times instead of once. He's just doing that to get rid of impeachment evidence. So I think that's the reason he's flushing a lot. And when anybody complains about how long in the impeachment process is, we say 15 flushes are needed. Come yeah, on. There you go. I have a, a couple the way, This was his way of saying we should not be using water conserving measures in toilets. I don't know. What, I saw that clip. I didn't know what the hell he was talking he about. He was totally incoherent. 25th Amendment is needed. Come <clears throat> yeah. on, guys. Yes. So uh, the Russia Russia has been stung by their uh, doping, and they won't be attending the next Olympics. Uh, in 1908, this is my little something you may not know, uh, Olympics in London lasted for six months from April 27th to October 31st. They used to be longer. Russia's national team arrived two weeks late. Until 1918, Russia lived according to the old Julian calendar, which lagged two weeks behind the Gregorian calendar. And the Russian national team forgot that Great Britain had switched to the Gregorian calendar 200 years prior. They had 200 years to get that fact in their head, but they arrived two weeks late. A couple more? I got a couple more. Go for it. Um, the, The Constitution does not prescribe that the president or vice president have to be sworn in by a judge. And the only president who was not sworn into office by a judge was Calvin Coolidge. Of course, Warren Harding died. Calvin Coolidge found out at his home in Vermont and he had his dad swear him in. So anybody can swear in a president. And lastly, of the 40 – I'm going to ask you all a question to guess. You asked us to guess something, right? Mm -hmm. Of the 40 U.S. midterm elections since the Civil War, the president's party has lost seats in how many of them out of 40? This is the midterm election. The president's for the House and Senate, aggregate total seats in Congress. They've, the president's party has lost seats in how many of the 40 midterm elections since the Civil War? I'm going to say no 36. idea. None at all. I'll say 34. 37. Kim, you, no, you win. You guys were right there, weren't you? I was debating between 36 and yeah. 38. You win uh, that rabbit from Duncan Hunter. The only times that a president's that party gained seats were in was 98 ni- the last one? 1934, Franklin Roosevelt's first term. 98, Dylan, during Bill Clinton's second term. And 2002, George Bush, and that was uh, attributed to after 9-11 when the country was kind of coming together. The reason, by the way, that people, um, historians think that the party in in executive power loses seats is that in a presidential election, there are coattails. 
So the president or the candidate, if it's pop, he's popular or she popular, will bring more people in. They don't have that coattail effect in the midterm election year. And as we know from human experience, when people are angry, they're more likely to vote than when they're satisfied. So there's a lot of anger expressed in midterm elections. I think uh, it's time to say goodnight. You think so? I think so. Time to flush this episode. Flush this episode 14 times. Yeah, 14 times. I do want to thank uh, Brian Sussman for writing and letting us use his uh, theme song. Uh, And I want to thank you, Paul. You're welcome. I want to thank you, Dylan. I want to thank you, Kim, and our producer, Patrick Zahn. A special uh, shout-out to Jared Kushner. Uh, (laughs) He's he's a bedtime listener to our podcast, Uh, and he rates us on iTunes, and you can too. I'm Carl Wolfson for Dylan Hydes, Paul Block, and Kim Upham, and Patrick Zahn. Have a good week. Good night.